You've tuned into the Rev Up podcast, broadcasting straight from Ducati Sanford in sunny central Florida. We're not just talking motorcycles, we're diving deep into the brilliant minds of business leaders, entrepreneurial pioneers, speed demons on the track, influential game changers, and downright rad people crushing this game called life. Let's Rev Up. Welcome to the Rev Up podcast. I'm Nate. This is Ducati Dave, and we have a special guest today, Paul Holton, with Crucial Motorsports. Uh, He's a McLaren driver as well. Um, We're super stoked to have him, so um, we're uh, looking forward to this conversation. We want want to do this for a while. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Uh, So I, for the last 15 years of my life, have been chasing the dream of driving race cars, um, more recently, actually running a race team, um, a sports car racing team, uh, as opposed to either circle track or drag racing or the various forms of car racing there are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And comes with that comes the, the love of all things mechanical and, and gas powered. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of my life in a nutshell. A little <laughs> bit is, of it, right? chasing, yeah, yeah. Chasing, chasing the motorsports dream. Um, it's sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's fun. It's it's a great time. And then other times you get to meet cool guys like yourselves when the uh, the dreams cross paths and you're like oh motorcycles are the same thing. Fast motorcycles, fast cars. Um, <laughs> yeah, all a good time. Right yeah. on. So I looked and it was like I think 2012 or 2013. You kind of started racing amateur. Yeah, pretty much like 2011, 2012, started doing a little bit of go-karting and then 2013 kind of moved into, it's 10 years ago now, um, <laughs> moved into, uh, into like amateur racing and cars um, and slowly kind of progressed through that. Through there. And there's a bajillion levels of, of amateur racing in the States. Um, and then out of there, ended up meeting a, a team that I spent a lot of time with uh, that was out of Canada at the time. Um, and moved through the professional ranks with them all the way up to the, the highest level of, of GT sports car racing in, in the States. Um, so are you like an apprentice? Like, how does that start? Like, I'm so just so you guys know, I'm not a race car guy at all. So I'm asking maybe some, you know, uh, simple questions, but I'm just curious, you know, how, like, do you come in and like, you have to have so much apprentice apprentice is a great way to put it except instead of not getting paid you're paying to be there <laughs> yeah. okay um it's all motorsports is is driven by money and no matter what like that every time a car goes on a racetrack same thing as a car going down the road it costs money it just costs a lot more money on the racetrack um so there's always fi- a financial deal behind everything so it takes money to get in you've got to spend money to get there and then Ideally, you actually are good enough to progress and get to the point where you're paid um, okay. or having someone pay for you to be there. Um, so, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of progression, a lot of time and a lot of money to actually build your way up and build the skills because it's it's like anything else. It's a learned skill. Yeah. Um, nobody is just born with this innate driving ability right. um, as much yeah. as we like there's guys with talent, but they still have to develop the talent. Right. Um, it doesn't, we don't just come out of the womb and know how to turn left and right. <laughs> <No. really well. laughs> right. And then when you're racing a McLaren, I mean, we're talking a high ticket race car, I'm assuming like, yeah. so yeah, at, at that <laughs> level, all the race cars are expensive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, GM's coming out with a new Corvette GT3 car and it's a million bucks. Oh, like wow. the, all of them, all of the race cars. Now there's a Ford GT3, a Mustang. It's like mm. a million bucks. Oh um, uh, they're all, they're all super expensive and they're all kitted out to the absolute max um and how many cars do you have we currently have at crucial we own one race car um then we have three or four clients cars that we keep under under our uh services gotcha 
Gotcha. Um, is there any like when you're starting that race? I mean, are there rituals or things that you do or like that kind of uh, take place that you have to do to kind of get your mindset right before you? So I'm super chill before we before we start things because I don't like to, I'm a naturally like pretty high high strong and amped up guy. Um, so I <laughs> no. and that's the that's the last thing that you want when you're starting a race or you're getting in a race car you want to be super calm so right. there, there's some guys like you watch an f1 race and you always see pierre gasly doing a a reaction uh time warm-up with with right. tennis balls yeah yeah um and that obviously works for him but for me that amps me up too much so i'm like i just want to be relaxed chilled out if i can sit in the race car and actually fall asleep and in fact there was there was a 2016 i raced and it was audi's junior driver development series in europe it's called the audi sport tt cup and the way they did things, we actually had to like sit in the race car for 25 minutes before the race. And I would absolutely fall asleep every time. Really? It, super comfortable. You're belted in nice and tight. It's like being in a, um, if you've slept in a weighted blanket. Right, right. It's yeah. like being belted in and held in real nice and tight. You sit there and go to sleep. Um, I'm totally yeah. opposite. I'm completely opposite. So when I was no, road you. racing, yeah, but no, seriously, you mean you're not I, riddled with like, no, like I literally okay. am, I have to listen to like, get myself pumped, which is really okay. weird. Like you'd think that, but it's not when I go to the track, I have to pump myself up. So okay. I put on like the headphones and I'll listen to something really hardcore to get my blood pumping and I'll jog around for a minute and just try to get my blood flowing. I'm not that where I can sit in there and be calm and, and like, and I see that from a lot of the top level guys. Now, remember, I'm just amateur, you know, trying to hurt myself out there. <laughs> you hearing that is so crazy because you're such a mellow person as it is when we hang out. But you have a lot of like when we rode together, um, like I could tell your style, you adapt really fast. and want to go and like me. You know what I mean? But I never thought you would get in there and fall asleep. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I'm not that way. You've got to be relaxed. If I'm amped up. The decision making is going to be really poor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, See, and I'm not that that's way. That's you got to get in that mindset and like that. Have that, that tunnel clarity. vision. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess everyone operates in different ways, and and, yeah. and you've got to be able to turn it on too. Like some yeah. people can't turn it on; they right. need four laps to turn it on. Right. Four laps, five laps to turn it on. And right. That's you have to develop the skill of saying, "I'm going to sit in this race car, and I know what it can do." Right. Everything's warmed up. Tires are good to go. Like that first lap, you are on it. Yes. Um, and so learning to not thing. wear out your tires or gas or everything, right? Saving fuels, yeah. Saving tires, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing as when you were racing your motorcycles, like. But it's actually probably more critical on the motorcycle. It is, got yeah. Small, a smaller contact you have no, patch. Yeah, you have, and you have no protection. You. Yeah, yeah. You know, with us, like I always wanted you to go out with me, but I still haven't gotten back to where I'm healthy enough. You know, and we'll talk about your health and stuff like that. Um, where I feel comfortable to be able to want to play and have fun. I want to go out and everybody's like, oh, come out, we'll do the track day. And I'm like, you don't understand. I don't have that chill, let me go ride around. I'm going to push myself because that's what I've, I've always done. I push myself <laughs> in everything, you know, to get the trophy. I push myself. You know what I mean? Everything I do, I have to go full on because if not, then to me, it's not worth it. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? I still have that have that problem. I've got I've got a couple clients that I coach, and they'll go out for, to do a, a day at the racetrack, and they just drive around and don't look at the lap time. They're like, oh, I'm having a good time. Yeah, and I, I don't just understand don't, I don't understand it I don't at understand all. It. I, have yeah. to, I live and die by the lap time yes. and by the delta, yep. whether you're faster or slower every single lap. Right. Um, I, so 
some guys just like to go out and clear their heads, and then yeah. you've got guys like me who are a slave to the lap time no matter what. Same. Even when we're just out there coaching, we probably don't need to be going that fast. Right, right, but you still um, got to know. But you still want to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you went to one of his, like, a, was that like a that track was, day experience, or what, what was it? Was that a race? You went to we, Yeah, he invited us to Daytona for it the was a private test. Private test, yeah. yeah. And so me and my sons went out, and it was the first time they met you. And he treated us so good, man. We went out, got to check out the garages, uh, looked around, and then watched them ride. And it's amazing, man, because I've done it on a motorcycle, right? So I know the corners, and I know and we went up to the banking and watched the, the cars go by, and they're sideways like that. And my kids were so happy, man. And thank you for doing that, by the way. Uh, no, we're happy to do it. You know what's funny was I think the uh, the organizer of that got in trouble because so many people brought guests. They're, yes, they're yeah. like, nobody was supposed to have guests. Meanwhile, right. we have like 400 names on here that weren't on the original <laughs> list when everybody signed in. Um, I don't know whatever happened with that, but yeah, I know that one of the Daytona security guys was like, this isn't supposed to be happening. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're so glad to be a part of that, though. But, it's cool. Yeah, that was a good That was a good test. That was We had a couple drivers that were in that car for the first time ever um, in their first ever GT3 test. And at that, that level of car is so fast and so physical. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it really, really wears you out. I know one of the guys got out of the car and was like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so that led up into you doing the, that uh, was before Rolex, the Rolex right? a couple yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, that was our, as Crucial's first attempt at the Rolex. Um, and you guys were doing good. Yeah, we and were doing then, good. And then a couple hours in, we had some contact with a car in a faster class and uh, yeah. that eventually we'd spent an hour repairing the car and then spent all night. 20 laps down at yeah. that it's middle of the night we ended up retiring because you're an hour and a half behind you can't really make it up yeah it's like we were really pulling for you man because i uh you know with what we do and and bringing everybody together in the motorcycle world all of our guys follow you you know what i mean and they watch you and and because you've ridden with them you've hung out you did the toy ride with us you've done all these different things so people um, start gravitating and, and watching you and want to know, you know, what you're doing and how you're doing. And, and the so. groups that you guys managed to put together are super fun. Um, yeah. Like those rides have been awesome. I, I kind of miss them. I have to join the toy ride this year on something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's December 16th. Yeah. On one, so. Well, you can come with me in the car if you want, if you don't want to ride. <laughs> so what happened to your foot? You, yeah. Your snow, I, I looked at your, I stalked your, your Instagram this morning. I was like, <laughs> what, what, what's this guy been up to? Snowmobiling's all over your freaking oh, Instagram. Oh, I, so. so I grew up uh, going skiing and snowboarding every year um, with my family, and that, as I got older, transitioned out of out of kind of uh, the resort style skiing into more backcountry stuff, um, like on cat skiing trips and skinning trips. Mm. Um, and then eventually, I was like, I can go way farther if I get on a snowmobile to, <laughs> okay. to go to get out and snowboard. And then I started riding the snowmobiles. And it's the most fun thing ever. Yeah. It's so it's super challenging because it's the most awkward skill ever. Everything is backwards. You counter steer like on a on a motorcycle, but on your motorcycle it is it is a force a force based kind of counter steer. Like the movement's very little. But on a sled, it's displacement based. So your your counter steer on the sled is like full opposite lock, and oh, then wow. lean the thing over. Um, it's, yeah, I'd crash. Home. Yeah, I, I've never I, well, done that before. My, my whole first year was, was miserable. And then at some <laughs> point, at some point, it clicked. It clicked. Um, but the sleds are the coolest thing on the face of the planet because they're they're all two strokes um, for the mountains. What are you running like Yamahas, Polaris? I what, I've uh, been a Polaris guy for the past okay. few years. I just bought my first uh, Skidoo. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see how what I think. But I I got a couple years ago. I bought my first turbo. It's a two stroke turbo. Um, 
which is is that when, the one you had on the back of the truck that you brought to the shop? Yeah, I yeah, I think it was gnarly. Oh um, my god! And the whole the the engineering behind a two stroke turbocharged engine is is incredible um, for what they what they do because of the way the two stroke motor works and I, I can't explain how it works. It's, it's like voodoo magic. <laughs> it's like but, voodoo magic. <laughs> but when the when the boost kicks in and the noises it makes, they're absolutely awesome. And then the places you can go um, is incredible i mean in colorado you can snowmobile up to 13 over thirteen thousand feet at the top of a mountain like um, see i'm from northern michigan and we used to get on snowmobiles but we'd go bar hopping yeah see <laughs> that's a different different there. type of riding you, <laughs> you, ride down the trail. you might you might do a hundred and 150 miles a day right in, in that right and, and you stop at bars and right, yeah. you've got gas stations on the trail yeah. and all this Whereas I go off into the backcountry, I'll do like 15 miles, and on the sled odometer, it's like 75 or 80 miles because the track is just spinning yeah, the whole yeah. time in deep, deep snow. But how did you do your leg? Uh, well, it's not snowmobile related, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I bad, no, I, knew what it was. I I played soccer growing up, and I recently started playing again. And two months into playing soccer, I managed to break my ankle. Yes. <laughs> so I'm currently recovering from that, hoping that I get some time to sled come January. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It happens. It's funny. We do all these crazy sports and you always hurt yourself in the one that is not, it's not. not the important one. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's the tale as old as time. I can't remember it. Well, I can, but I can't remember very many incidents where I've had friends that got hurt in a race car, but I know a lot of my friends from racing who got hurt doing something <laughs> outside stuff. of racing. Yes. That's um, like the story of my life. Same. <laughs> so, and we're going to do something really cool coming up. Probably yeah, we've got to, things in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I that has some, to do with the snow part and a little bit of dirt bike. Snows oh, and dirt bikes sled. and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We have a little surprise we're gonna do eventually when uh, it's gonna take us a year to get it out. Yeah, there, yeah, but yeah we're exactly. Gonna do You're gonna see some cool stuff coming. Um, yeah, I mean, I've and I, on on that note, I've enjoyed a bunch of motorcycles from you guys. Yeah, and, and you haven't just had any. Work. You had so let's back up. So you you got the Corsa. Right, and then you you got the V four R. No, it was V four R. Then, then Corsa, the Corsa. Okay, yeah. and then so funny story. the The new bike is coming out. It's the twenty twenty two V four S. They just redesigned it, and he goes, "I want the first one." Right. So I said, "Okay, cool." So he goes, "I'm going to go home and I'm going to do the configurator." And I go, "All right." And he goes, "And I'll bring it in." And so he brings me in this like three sheets of paper, four sheets of paper, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like. Okay. Checked every box. And I go, and I go, did you mess up and click things twice? And he goes, no, why? And I'm like, I've never seen one so big, like so much stuff. So I'm looking, I'm looking, we go through everything. And he's like, no, that's what I want. This is what I want. This is what I'm, we're going through the configurator, making sure he didn't double click things and stuff like that. I I had parts that superseded other parts. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't stick both of them on the bike at the same time. And it was, it turned out to be the best looking, the best sounding V4S that we've ever done. It was well, so that was cool. the that was the bike we did the undertail exhaust for the, the first, first one. That yeah, was the, the first one. It, it was undertail dry clutch with the magnesium clutch cover still on it. Yes, like, with, yeah. So it wasn't super it, it loud. It made everything. It wasn't super loud, and yep. it made everything match. Because one of the most frustrating things yes. about driving a, a riding a, a dry clutch Ducati is coming into the into the gas station and somebody telling you it's broken. You're broke. Yes. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> I have a story it's, about it's, that. It's I fine. Swear. I promise. <laughs> like it just makes this noise. Yeah. Because if you don't know, you don't know. Yes. No. It's a true statement. I had built a bike for Ed Brown from Patron Tequila. It was the 1198 SP, and we didn't have gas at the dealership, so I ran across the street on it in 7-Eleven, and this dude came up, and he's like, yo, turn it off, turn it off. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he goes, it's broken. It's broken. So I'm pulling <laughs> it Your box is exploded. <laughs> and it was so funny. So I love hearing those stories. Dry clutch stories are my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I've had two two dry clutch bikes. Yeah. Um, 
both of which I loved. My my ideal bike, I don't know how they would ever do it. If they I, could take the V4 noise with the V, uh, v uh, sorry, V4R noise, the R engine, the 998, yeah. with the torque that you get out of the 1103, yes. it would just be the God's the gift God, to motorcycle. Yes. Like, yeah, like, yeah. The, the noise at 17,000 RPM that a V4R puts out is just godly especially with an Akapovich exhaust <laughs> oh god you remember the old uh, Hooters bike nights yes oh my gosh yeah, yeah. I bought my first Ducati it was a S2R 1000 dry clutch I was so like stoked on it and um I, I take delivery of the bike I decide I'm going to go to the Hooters bike night, which is like the, the coolest bike that <laughs> yes. you can go to in Orlando. 436 next to the So I roll up to this this bike night, and the parking lot is absolutely packed. And I roll in with my my drag clutch man, and oh. there's like this like like uh, some chicks hanging out like over by the side, or whatever. And as soon as I pull in that, that there was lot, chicks man, at your bike night. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, well, it was wow. actually a lot of fun yeah, back you, then. You had, you, had the, you had the Hooters girls there, and you had like there was like. I just rolled up on this group of chicks hanging out and I was like all badass on my new Ducati and I roll in and like their heads turn and they kind of just give me like this like really uh, awkward look yeah like, like disgust like what is, is wrong with your with bike <laughs> what pile of shit did this guy just roll in on and I was just like you know it kind of just oh, sucked man. the fun out of it I was like man and I'm trying to like should I go and like explain it yeah, to them? No. Like what's happening? Like should I try? Like what should I do? So I, I just like killed the bike, whatever. No, you just you just, you just go, yeah, go yeah, about just, what you were doing. You don't try. But it's funny because all the dudes know when yeah. you, you hear a dry clutch, they know it's a Ducati. Yeah. They know it's going to be something cool. You know what I mean? And and that's the one distinct thing about Ducatis is that sound. It doesn't matter. Even now, you can tell the sound of them. But that's we always knew when a dude came in from that bike night. Yeah. It was always a Ducati, and we always kind of find our way over there because yeah. you don't get to see them a lot. Yeah. Now you see them a lot. I had I had one I didn't get from you guys. I had a nine nine six with the drive yes, clutch that yeah, lived yeah. in my. You guys you guys did a service I, on yeah, it. Yeah, we did a service. Um, lived in my living room, and it had this dry clutch. Sounded exactly <laughs> the same. Yes. Like, same same as it's been. So it's literally been the same for twenty plus years. You got into like a craze of buying bikes for a little bit. I uh, yeah. It's yeah. I, I, I get I get un- into things, um, and sometimes I get a little out of control. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you yeah because you bought like those three from us. Then you and, well actually first you came in and bought the desert sled. Yeah, and I was the idea buy a hyper. Of a hyper yeah. yeah. You guys thought I was crazy that day. We did. I, we really you're did. like who is this guy? He comes in here talking about snowmobiles and he wants to buy a, 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 hyper, a hyper or, or a uh, or a desert sled. Yeah. yeah and, and you had like um, flip flops on. Or yeah, you you, oh, yeah, you came yeah. in with pink shorts, flip flops, <laughs> and like your hair a mess. And and Oscar was like, I don't know who this dude is, but he's kind of funny. You were funny as hell. Like you were real. Like you clicked really good with us and Oscar when he was with me. And he's Oscar's like, dude, there's something about this guy. And I'm like, I don't know. So we started talking and you're like, oh, I don't want to spend that kind of money on that. I'll just do the Desert X. And I go, all right, cool. And from that point on, you became a part of our family. I do that all the time, too. It's like when I first get into something, I'm like, uh, hesitant to spend the money. And then mm-hmm. once I like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I oh, do, yeah, I do like this. The floodgates open. It's like, yeah. oh, what, what do I what do I want now? And how do I get it immediately? Right, right. Um, I've got an instant gratification problem. Yeah, same. Um, same. You're the only we, one we, I think that all. doesn't have that. Yeah, it just kind of depends what it is. If it's like, um, I don't know, garbage pail kid cards. I know. And stuff like that. I gave him a badass skateboard for uh, Christmas a couple <laughs> yeah, years back. Decks. It was Because uh, I didn't know he was into, one, skateboard decks like I am, but garbage pail kids of everything. Guitars. Right. Uh, yeah, guitars. Uh, vinyl. I'm into like weird are stuff. You, are you into just the decks, like collecting them, or do you skate? Uh, I well, yeah. I'm I'm a little too old to skate like like but he I did. used to. But he yeah, did. Uh, yeah. yeah. So now so now it's kind of like just a collection. My son, his son, so, his son's amazing. He's very much like me and you, where he gets on something, he learns it, gets very good at it, and then moves to the next thing. 
And that's how I've been my whole life. You've been that way, right? And, and like you said, there's sometimes people are natural, but it takes them a minute. He's the same way. Every time I see him, he was, the first time I saw him, he was on uh, the scooters, yeah. getting rad on the scooters, right? Then he got into the big BMX bikes, which is what I do. Then he's out there killing it on that. And then the Surron, he kills yeah. it on. Skateboards, he kills it on. So he's going to be that next level coming up like us, you know? Well, it's us, then you, then him. We got to get him in a McLaren. Maybe I'll send him out to the racetrack with Yeah. Because oh. you started on, on go-karts, didn't you? Yeah, like 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 four-stroke go-karts. I didn't do too much of it. Um, there wasn't a go-kart track super accessible yeah. where I was. It was an hour away, which is, in all the scheme of things, not very far. But um, <laughs> It's not that far, but it did seem like it. Well, when you're... 14 and yeah. you require your parents to take you there yes it's, it's yes, further than everything it's further than you think yeah yeah but, no doubt um so yeah you and you can kind of progress out of there but go-karts is where almost everyone starts unless you're unless you're a guy so motorsport or racing in general it's motorsports in general is one of the few professional sports in the world where anybody can go and compete with the pros yeah um and that's how the majority of our like most of professional racing is pro-am racing where you have a professional driver who's rated as a professional driver. Um, we have a do? we have a rating system, which it's not a conversation I'll get into because yeah, it's, yeah. it's a little bit messy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but in that rating system, then they have to have a amateur rated driver with them. And that amateur rated driver is usually the guy that's either either paying for the the race car to be on the track because he's just there having fun, yeah. or he he's sponsoring it. It's some and sort of business everything. deal that he's doing, and it's he's getting something out of it. He's get not only is he getting to drive, but there's a business deal going that makes the car go around the racetrack. That's really cool. Um, I, I was learning that with you, that it's not just like coming up the ranks and stuff like that. There is a whole business side that makes it stronger and, and really put you guys out there more and helps you out. Like I said, the, the race car doesn't go around the racetrack without money. No. Like uh, no. every at, when we were at Daytona for that test, yeah. every single time that car went by, you could light 200 bucks on fire. Oh, yeah. Like Boom. easy. Boom. So how does that work? Like how do you guys bring in like revenue to like fund? Like how, how do you... Fun it's exactly that it's it's cultivating clients and sponsors yeah. um, okay. and most of the sponsor deals are, are getting interesting now they're they're all b2b stuff so like back back in the day like the heyday of nascar uh tied or would throw uh, or home depot would throw a bunch of money just to get their name on the car there's right, nothing right. special about it now it's all b2b it's how can how can mm-hmm. i connect two guys and s- Manage to skim some off the top to skim some off the top is a really poor way to say it. Yeah. yeah but how yeah, can I build yeah. in build into this deal so that we can go racing? Right. 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 Um, I think the the best the most blue chip example of it. It's not happening anymore. Any unfortunately, but Ganassi Chip Ganassi Racing had the Target car for forever in both uh, in IMSA NASCAR and in uh, IndyCar. Right. And the way that worked was Target would go to their to their suppliers to their brands that you see in Target and they would give them end cap space. Which in in a in a store is super valuable, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Everybody sees the end caps, no matter what aisle you go down. Um, and then the, they would turn around and say, "You get end cap space," and then they would turn around and fund the racing. And oh, the car okay. ends up is red and has the giant Target logo. Yeah, yeah. But and then on the car in small, you can see like Axe and all yeah. the little tiny uh, sponsors that actually got the end caps. Right, right, um, right. So like that's a good B two B deal where Target goes, okay, we want to put our brand out there. How can we make it so that we don't have to pay for it and the guys who are paying for it get value? Wow, um, all right. So that's that's the, the way that sponsorship kind of works now. Um, even NASCAR does, if you want to be a NASCAR sponsor at, at any level, they do like two or three times a year what they call sponsor summits where mm-hmm. everybody who sponsors a NASCAR gets invited and they all get to get in the same room and do business together. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's more than just getting your brand out there for the, the public to see now. It's like a... a, a uh, 
a conglomerate. It's it's a giant uh, kind of melting pot to get all the brands together and get everything everything working interesting yeah that's really cool um and then you just have guys who just pay to go do it yes like yeah, yeah guys who billionaires hundred like multi-millionaires who love it found out they loved it spent a bunch of time getting good at it um sometimes they're retired and they and they do it sometimes it's what they do on their weekends on their weekends yeah, yeah. yeah. um we met one of them gentlemen there at daytona yeah, 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 yeah and really he's nice. now the ceo of his of his finance company in, yeah. in new york like so he's he's managed to and he's like, man, I got to make more money so I can go racing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, isn't that the truth? Everything we want to do, it's you got to spend more money and make more money. Yep. So. so recently, I was driving through Winter Park and I see there's a giant McLaren dealership being built. Yes. I mean, this thing looks Wait, like what? Taj Mahal. It's, so it's sick, dude. It's like, you know where the Krispy Kreme is on Mills? Yeah. That's right next to it. I love that. That's the that's the landmark that you just yeah, said. Yeah, 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 I know where it is. Yeah, I know, I know exactly where Cream it is. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's McLaren. That's going to be the new McLaren Orlando dealership. Right. Um, McLaren Orlando is a partner that we've worked with for the past few years through GT3 and GT4 racing. Um, okay. They're currently based in Titusville right now. That was their, their interim location. But that new spot in in Winter Park will be the largest McLaren dealership in yeah. the world. I think it's fifty one thousand wow. square feet. They have twelve service bays. Um, they have a full size car configurator, so it's a, a dedicated room with a like a twenty seven foot TV screen, and you can actually spec your car out life size. You can stand there and go, I want those rims that color, this, that, and yeah. the other, and it's like a, it's I don't remember how many what the resolution was, but it was something absurd like a twelve K TV or it was it was massive. Um, and then I believe on top of that, you can actually get a live feed of your car, or you should be able to get a live feed of your car going down the production line. So like wow. when your car actually goes into production at at MTC M MPC, um, McLaren Production Center, they they have McLaren yeah. loves acronyms. Yeah, yeah. So you've got McLaren Technology Center, and then yep. you go through this underground tunnel, and you've got McLaren Production Center. Like, um, but yeah, so you'll be able to actually go in there and watch your car get built. Wow. So are the the cars they're selling out of there are those race cars? Or are they street legal? Are these cars that like like is it considered like they have like a luxury like on-road standard brand i guess like a supercar yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah. It's like so, you go buy a new lambo or whatever yeah, yeah it's, exactly, it's exactly the same okay yeah. um and same like lamborghini sells race cars and street cars yeah um all of these manufacturers we used to take street cars and turn them into race cars right and as cars have gotten more sophisticated with all the safety nannies and all right. sorts of yeah. radars and stuff like that it's become increasingly hard to make them work as race cars um, so the manufacturers decided to get involved, A, because they can make money, and B, because it's it looks good for them, where they actually build the race car yeah. um, I, with all motorsports-based electronics. So there's none of the radar, none of the nannies. It's like a real race, race car. car yeah. And then you, as a customer, can go and buy it and race it. And they'll provide you with engineering support sometimes, uh, yeah. depending on what you're doing, where you're going, and you buy parts from them. Usually they have a parts truck available, so you don't have to carry a bunch of parts. <laughs> right. That's amazing. Um, Right. It's amazing when it works. When it works, yeah. <laughs> and it's probably when, super expensive. When you have, yeah, when you yeah. when you have what, when they have what you need, it's great. When they yeah. don't have what you need, you go, ah, I don't know what to do here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, is that McLaren dealership, is that a, like, a corporate-owned store, or do they, do they own it, or is it, like, a... Oh, it's it's owned by a couple, owned. Uh, independently owned. Okay. Um, so it, those guys own a couple different dealerships. Uh, they own McLaren North Jersey, McLaren okay. Orlando. Gotcha. Um, but oh, wow. it's, it's kind of, it's funny cause the owners of that business, it's, it started as their hobby slash side gig, um, just cause they like the brand <laughs> and they ended up, they made some really, really aggressive and good business decisions mm -hmm. during COVID and be, ended up being one of the top retailers in the world. So now they're building 
the largest McLaren dealership in the world in Winter Park, Florida. And they're, yeah. they're going to be the only car dealership in in uh, Winter Park, okay. in actual city limits yeah, of Winter it's Park. Saying it's in like Winter Park proper. Like you're yeah. you're driving down, what is it, Mills or? It's it's Mil- it's the intersection of Orlando and Mills. I mean, it pops up out of nowhere. I mean, really? it's just, you just look over, you're like, whoa. I mean, and it's, it is a badass Yeah, I wanted to take it out. Wow, this is a serious store. Yeah. I think they're they're wow. looking at grand opening during the Miami, or right before the Miami F1 weekend next year. Okay. Um, I was in there, I don't know, two months ago. Um, funny enough, the the owner recently broke his ankle. Oh, <laughs> so we we've been cripple buddies. <laughs> nice. Um, his uh, mine is I got off much easier than he did. But yeah, we were walking around in there, and he kind of walked me through and showed me all everything they have planned, and I was just absolutely amazed. Like yeah. it's it's going to be an incredible facility. Um, awesome. Oh, I yeah. hope they're successful. Um, I'm glad you brought up F1 because that was a, a topic I wanted to talk about. I've seen like so much more content popularity with f1 that i've never seen before the, like is, is the there is that thing. is it, there's, there must be a lot of momentum with that right that racing i mean is there is there a lot of is it, is it becoming popular like it's been heavily driven by the netflix drive netflix, to survive yeah. okay. um i think i i don't know the how that deal got done when they first did it yeah but it was brilliant like yes. it, it drove so many people to get into the sport. Like uh, Miami, I don't remember what the numbers were, but I know Co- Coda has been sold out. Co- the Coda F1 race in, in Texas has been, sorry, uh, the Austin, Texas Austin, F1 race. Yeah. Um, it's been sold out for like the last three years because of it. I know Vegas, they were at capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been, and actually I recently met the first person who is working in motorsports now. Um this woman's working for a, a series as a, a manager, uh, a race series mm-hmm. as a manager. Um, and she, I was talking to her and I was like, how'd you get into this? And she goes, Oh, I watched drive to survive. And then I was like, I got to go racing. And I was, I looked at her like she was crazy. Uh, oh and she's like, God. Oh, you gave me the same reaction as everyone else. I'm like, no, that's awesome. Like yeah. you watched a TV show and said, I want to go do that. It's crazy. Like I, I, it was probably like six months ago. I got up in the morning. It was like a Sunday morning. My wife was watching full swing on Netflix the golf yeah. documentary mm-hmm. or whatever. And she was so into it, like all the, whatever, she was into it. And I'm like, what are you watching? She's like, oh, this golf show, it's really good. So I started watching it and you know, now she knows all this golf stuff. I'm like, it's so crazy how powerful those little Netflix yeah. mini docs are. Yeah. Like in, I mean, the fact that, I, I mean, there's a lot of people I follow that are talking about F1 all the time now. And I'm like, what is, what is this coming from? Yeah. And it's just, it's becoming popular. Yeah, and they're and it's they've just they're they have it's owned by an American group, American company now, and I think they before this before Liberty Media bought it, it was a very closed off thing. They the guy who was running it didn't want to, um, he wanted to control everything, right. which I can understand. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, what they've done in the last five or six years since they bought, they purchased it, maybe it's even been longer. Yeah. It's just incredible. They opened it up. You, there's real social media happening that yeah. wasn't happening before. There's yeah. the Netflix stuff. The TV broadcasting is really stars. good. Like, yeah, they're they're doing a really really good job with it. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure it was popular before, but like now it's like more mainstream. More, I mean, definitely just, it was. It's always been popular yeah. around the world, but it's right. what we're really seeing is the the, the surge of it in the, in in the, the here US. in the US. Yeah. Like same I mean, with MotoGP. Nobody, else, yeah, yeah, just same. kind of it's it's trickled over into everything. It's yeah. trickled well, into yeah, soccer cars. too, like MLS. Like yeah. you know that used to be more of a. That was a global sport, but it wasn't as big in the U.S. But now, like, yeah. every major city has an MLS team. And, I mean, those games are so fun. Like, we, my family, we go to, you know, Orlando City games all the time. And it's like, 
it's their blast. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. it, it's becoming a, a, a norm in our and, yeah, American it, culture. I yeah. think, I think we're just kind of getting, we just have a rise in spectator sports and events in, in terms of what we're like, everybody wants to go and, and have the experience now. Yeah. Um, like experiential events are really important now to most brands marketing. So I think that's just the, kind of the rise, like sporting events in general have gotten more popular. Um, that's, I, yeah, everything, yeah. everything's kind of on the yeah. come up right now, whether that's just with the it's overall from, economy I, or how we all feel about what we're doing with our lives or what, I can't tell you, but I. it seems like after overall, COVID, everything's growing. It seems like after COVID, when people really had been saving or not really ever doing much with their lives, after that, everything started to rise up, right? And then people are starting to live their lives different now. So they are, they saw the Netflix thing. They were home and they watched that with uh, Drive to Survive. And they, I want to go see it now. And yep. now it's getting bigger and bigger. And that's what it was, is you get stuck. Like, I watch it. As soon as it comes out, I binge watch it. Well, we got locked down. Yeah. And, yeah. and then yeah. the guys, that the people that, st- like, locked themselves down watched all this stuff all this on stuff TV. On the, yeah. And yeah, then they became fans. And yeah. they became fans, and now they're going to go watch it. And, so. and people who never knew Max or uh, Hamilton or all this stuff, now they know him. It's a household name. Yeah. And they're making stars out of people who were big over in Europe, now they're big here. Same with Valentino Rossi, all that stuff. And they're actually doing that with MotoGP now. They're going to do that same style of uh, Drive to Survive on MotoGP. Netflix is doing it? Yeah, they're working on it now. Cool. That's, so that's huge. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. It really is. <laughs> that is huge. Because, you know, me personally, I've been into motorcycle racing since I was young. So I've watched, and I watched, like, the hard-to-watch stuff when it used to be at, like, 12 o'clock at night, you know, and you see Jeep. It wasn't even called MotoGP. It was called uh, Grand Prix. That's all it was. And I got to see Rossi as young and it get bigger. And, and my first time, they hadn't been into the United States in 10 years up to 2005 or 2006. I, I can't remember. And they came to Laguna Seca. I went to there. I paid for tickets, got VIP Village. We flew to California, me and two of my buddies. And I saw Valentino Rossi's first time in the United States. Nikki's first time back into the United States because he was from the U.S. Yeah. And I got to see his last race at CODA. And that to me was a big deal. I got to see Rossi's first race and Rossi's last race. And it's funny because now all these people come in like, man, I just went to my first MotoGP race. And they're like so bright eyed and bushy tailed. You know what I mean? And they want to buy a motorcycle. They want to go do track days. They want to do all this stuff. I want the one they're riding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they asked. They're like, well, the one that you had is the closest to the yeah. World Superbike bike. It's homologated for World Superbike, which Basically is the V4R. The yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. So all these people see this stuff and they want to be a part of it. And it, I always enjoyed that. It's it's super fun. It's like I said. It's it's really it's good for everyone. Yeah. Um, it's good that these people are getting out and experiencing these things, and it's good for the people that are involved with it. Like if we, without people watching it, we can't make it happen. Yeah. I mean, it's a, the next two days I have a crazy day. So tonight I'm going to Orlando Lamborghini for the uh, unveil of the Revolt, um, the electric hybrid one. Okay. So I'm going there, and then t- in the morning I'm driving to Homestead for Ducati Revs. Um, we have a, a young dude that we're going to be working with, hopefully, that's going to be riding a V4, and he's working his way to MotoGP. Cool. So it's really neat. So I'm going to be in the cars tonight and motorcycles tomorrow. So Sounds like you're fun. living the dream. You know what? I can't <laughs> lie. It does feel like it. I'm jealous, man. Oh, come on with me. All this fun stuff. And then you get to go to the Bentley uh, Art Basel thing. Oh, yeah. So that's going to be really cool. So on the 8th and 9th of December, uh, one of our good family members, Mr. Lightsey, the legend, who's going to be on, um, got invited to go check out the uh, the Bentley Diablo V4, 
which is going to be really cool. So we're going to shoot down there, and I'm going to be I his guest. I know there was a Bentley Diablo. Yeah, yeah. Technically, cool. for a while, we couldn't tell anybody, but um, it's really gorgeous. It's going to be neat. I'm excited to go down. That's really cool. I yeah. didn't know that. Bentley yeah. Diablo. What color is it? Uh, well, okay. So there's two versions. That's all I if care you about own, is the colors. Of my yeah, well, it's like, <laughs> right, right, right. You do for, for uh, everybody. Like I, all I want is Ducati to make cool colors in V4s. Yes, that's all. I, I'm just which is coming. Which is coming. <sighs> we can't talk too much about it, but yeah. Well, we can, but yeah, you'll see it. Um, so they, if you own the, and please forgive me, if the Mueller, Mueller, um, Bentley, they'll match your bike with the car that you have. Oh, now the Ducati cool. guys, they're gonna get the green one. So it's like a money green. It's gorgeous. Huh. Yeah, with the same wheels of the Bentley and everything. I'll give you a little sneak peek after this. So what do you have coming up for the future before uh, we get out of here? Well, now we're into the off-season for us, so we're trying to sort out what's going on for next year, um, sort out what clients are going to do what and how we're doing it. Um, so race series, testing, um, just kind of planning out next year and getting ready to execute. Uh, essentially, motor, like running a race team, motorsports, it's a, it's a logistics business. It's it's putting the right people in the right place with the right tools at the right time. Yeah. Um, it's it's not, I tell everyone, it's not rocket science. You can mess it up. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's not the most complex thing in the world. Right. Um, but I, you have to have contingencies for when things do do go wrong because, I mean, this summer there was a stretch of time where air travel was just absolutely Insane, terrible yeah. with in the Northeast. And we had several events we couldn't get guys to. And now you're there with half your crew and you're going, how am I going to do this? Right. Right. Um, which thankfully those, those events that we had, those issues, they were just test events. So um, it's just going out with the, cli- the clients out there. The drivers are out there driving the car around, just practicing. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you have that happen on a race weekend, uh, it can it can definitely screw up what you're trying to do. Yeah. So you're kind of getting away from driving the car and being more of a kind of owner manager operating the the I, team, right? I As still a, dri- I still drive the race cars anytime I can, but yeah, um, I will I operate the team. Um, we even go we'll go to people like guys who have places at racetracks. We'll go there and work on their cars for them at the racetrack um, without any of our actual infrastructure. So we just fly in, work on the race car, go home um, while they're there for the day. Uh, or yeah, actually transport and run the cars for them out of our own shop. Nice, awesome. Yeah. So if we want to come watch you race, I mean, is is this like buying tickets to uh, uh, any other like race event? Like, exactly the same. What what's the I guess circuit or what 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 division? Like how can how we, do we see how you can, race? Yeah, how yeah. Can yeah. We see race. So we race in either IMSA, um, which is kind of top level sports car racing in the U.S. Okay. Depending on what class, well. Any class in IMSA is, is going to be the top level of its respective class of racing. Um, so like GT3 and GT4, which is the WeatherTech series, and uh, Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is the GT4 series. Nice. Uh, we both we have McLarens that run in both. Um, and then there's another series called the SRO America series, uh, which is a little a step down in terms of uh, kind of overall professionalism and quality, but a lot of people do it. It's really fun weekends. Um, you don't have as many spectators. It's cheaper to go to than a, an IMSA weekend. Um, you can get a little more up close and personal because it's not quite so so walled off. Yeah. Um, like when we're in IMSA, we're we're pretty tight about who's who's under the tent and it's blocked off and who's who's crawling around the race car versus on an SRO weekend, we're pretty open about who can come and look. Right. Do whatever. Our schedule is not so intense. Um, we have a lot of downtime on those weekends, so fans can come in, sit in the race car talk to the drivers, um, talk to the crew guys. Like that's one thing about motorsports as opposed to like 
soccer. We're talking right. about soccer. Yeah. You can't – you go to an Orlando City game, you can't talk to a soccer player. Right. right. Un- unless you're someone really special. Right, 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 <laughs> like, right, 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 right. You can't talk to a, to a driver. But if you go to a race and you walk up to the back of the trailer, especially especially if, you ha- if you're a, a kid – um, but that's not to say that an adult can't go up and ask to talk yeah, to yeah. a driver. Right. But the, most of the time, if the driver's not doing anything, we'll absolutely come out, have a conversation with you, show you the race car, show you around the trailer. Mm-hmm. Like, we're all super friendly and happy to do it. Because, that's like I said, we've been trying to grow this sport for a long time. Um, and it's taken off in recent years. And we're finally seeing, like, there's a lot of people that want to be there and want to see it and kind right. of reaping the rewards right now. So how do we get a car or your car to the dealership to display it. Yeah, yeah. We'll have a party. Well, we'll like... our car is in New York at the moment. Okay. Um, oh, all right. So, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's ways ways and ways to get there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's too bad Audi's kind of getting out of racing because there's the whole Volkswagen group thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah. that would have been an easy sell. Yeah, it's not too hard. We can, hmm. we can figure something out. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be cool to have your car there showing it off. Like I said, logistics. I've I've got it sitting in New York at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it gets back, maybe we can do it. We'll send some. We'll post some pictures and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. So, um, yeah, I I think the motorsport stuff is just the greatest thing. I'm I'm so fortunate to have been able to chase it for the past couple of years and to have been in uh, the position to even have the opportunity. Um, whereas there's a lot of people out there that never get the opportunity who are as good as anyone else. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's the same thing in, in motorcycle racing cause that yeah. takes money too. Um, if you don't, if you can't get there to start, you can never show anybody that you can do it. Right. That's Absolutely. right. Thank you for coming on, man. We appreciate yeah, man. you. This is awesome. You, Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, you're part of the family. So yeah, this was fun. Thank you. Good stuff. Well, yeah. I guess we'll wrap it. Thank you for joining us. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and follow our social channels. And you can find Paul on Instagram, yeah. probably. What is it? Uh, uh, Crucial Motorsports and Paul Holton Racing. Okay. Nice. Good stuff. Give don't him a forget. follow and uh, rev, don't up. Forget. rev up. Rev up. Rev up. You want the truth. It's with